0: morning. It's good to be with you. This isn't how I expected to be back after a great vacation with my family uh, down south and then headed back up and uh, arriving here at the beginning of this week and then getting our uh, COVID tests and all that good stuff and excited to be back in the pulpit and begin this new um, short Advent series here in preparation of our hearts for Christmas. But it is what it is, and um, look forward to seeing you guys uh, next week in person. I want to open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 38, a kind of a strange chapter for a Christmas message. But it does connect, and there is a reason. There is a method to the madness, so to speak, here. I want to read chapter 37 verse 36 to chapter 39 verse 1 and the reason I want to do that is to set the context here for this story a lot of people wonder why this chapter is in Genesis Um, it's the story of Joseph and then all of a sudden you have chapter 38 in there about Judah and Tamar it just makes you scratch your head and wonder until you understand that one of the key purposes of the book of Genesis is Moses trying to show us God's promise plan through Abraham and the line uh, that he was um, going to be faithful in providing for, for a Redeemer for the world back in Genesis 3.15, one who would crush uh, the serpent's head, who would come from the woman, the seed of the woman. And then that seed idea again, he gives a promise to Abraham and says, Abraham, your seed is going to be a blessing to the earth. And so that idea of seed and descendants comes up again in this interruption in the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 38. So let me read chapter 37, verse 36. And the Amidianites sold him, Joseph, into Egypt, unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaohs, and captain of the guard. And it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira, and Judah saw that there was a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he took her and went in unto her. And she conceived and bare a son, and he called his name Er. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she called his name Onan. And she yet again conceived and bare a son, and called his name Shelah. And he was at Chezib when she bare him. And Judah took a wife for Er his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. And Er. Judas' firstborn was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. And the Lord said unto Onan, Go in unto thy brother's wife, and marry her, and raise up seed to thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his, and it came to pass, when he went in unto his brother's wife, that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. Then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at thy father's house till Shelah, my son, be grown. For he said, lest peradventure he die also, as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. And in process of time, the daughter of Shuah, Judah's wife, died. And Judah was comforted and went up unto his sheep shearers to Timnath, he and his friend Hira the might. And it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Timnath to shear his sheep. And she put her widow's garments off from her and covered her with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in an open place, which is by the way to Timnath. For she saw that Shelah was grown and she was not given unto him, to wife. When Judah saw her, he thought her to be in harlot because she had covered her face. And he turned unto her by the way and said, Go to, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee. For he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What wilt thou give me that thou mayest come in unto me? And he said, I will send thee a kid from the flock. And she said, Will thou give me a pledge, till so thou send it? And he said, What pledge shall I give thee? And she said, Thy signet, thy bracelets, and thy staff that is in thine hand. And he gave it her, and came in unto her. And she conceived by him. And she arose and went away and laid by her veil from her and put on the garments of her widowhood. And Judah sent the kid, the goat, by the hand of his friend, the Azulamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand. But he found her not. Then he asked the men of that place, saying, Where is the harlot that was openly by the wayside? And they said, There was no harlot in this place. And he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. And also the men of the place said that there was no harlot in this place. And Judah said, Let her take it to her, lest we be shamed. Behold, I sent this kid, and thou hast not found her. And it came to pass, about three months after that, it was told Judah, saying, Tamar thy daughter-in-law hath played the harlot, and also, behold, she is with child by whoredom. And Judah said, Bring her forth, and let her be burnt. And she was brought forth. She sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man whose these are, am I with child? And she said, Discern, I pray thee, Whose are these, the signet and bracelets and staff? And Judah acknowledged them and said, She hath been more righteous than I, because that I gave her not to Shelah, my son. And he knew her again no more. And it came to pass in the time of her travail that, behold, twins were in her womb. And it came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand. And the midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread, saying, This came out first. And it came to pass as he drew back his hand that, behold, his brother came out. And she said, How hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee. Therefore his name was called Perez. And afterward came out his brother that had the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zirah. What in the world does this have to do with Christmas, with Advent? Here we have the son of Jacob, a grandson of Abraham. Uh, the one who God had said when God had said to Abraham that I'm going to save the world through your family. One of your descendants will be the Savior of the world. You're to walk before me and you're to pass this on to your children and their children and to walk in faithfulness. What does a story like this ultimately tell us? And I'm going to suggest to you that it shows us that God is faithful with His Son, Jesus Christ. See, in verses 1 through 10, as I was reading the story there, what had happened was Judah, one of Jacob's sons, 12 sons, this is after he had participated in selling Joseph to the um, Ishmaelites and sent him in slavery down to Egypt. Judah married a Canaanite woman, a pagan, forbidden. You already see his heart. He kind of thinks he can do what he wants to do. He doesn't need God. And that's what you see in verses 1 through 5. And she has a few sons. And then uh, for one of these sons, Er, uh, Judah finds a wife, a wife Tamar, probably another Canaanite, it would seem. But Er, in verse 6, the scripture says he was wicked and he died by the hand of God. Now, Tamar, she's a young widow. She's probably only a teenager, as that's when many would be married as young girls. And there was a law and an expectation that the father-in-law of the widow here would take responsibility and care of that son's widow. And if he had other unmarried sons, then they would marry to carry on that deceased husband's line. And and that new son who would be born from the marriage of... um, uh Judah's son and Tamar here would would get the inheritance that would have gone to Judah's son. Heir er is dead. and so Judah suggests the second son, Onan. And so Onan is married to Tamar. And, but notice what it says in verse nine. Onan knew that the seed, the descendant should not be his, and it came to pass when he went in unto his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother. That when is the idea of whenever, multiple times when he was supposed to, according to the law and according to God's intent, that that descendant be born uh, through Judah, ultimately for Jesus lying here, uh, he neglected that responsibility. Probably because he had some selfish reasons, so his inheritance himself wouldn't decrease by adding another son who would get that deceased dad's inheritance. And so the scripture says God killed him. God killed Onan. And so now you got a crisis. Here's Tamar, a very young, we're assuming, poor widow, doesn't have a son to take care of her. She's in crisis, verse 11. Then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at thy father's house till Shelah, my son, be grown. So Judah says, okay, I'll give you my third son here. But he doesn't really follow through with that. He isn't going to. It seems that there is a resentment, a despising in his heart against this girl Tamar. And he says in verse 11, Lest peradventure he die also, as his brethren did. He really isn't going to do this. He's not going to give a husband to her. And he can't stand her when it all comes down to it. She knows this. She senses this. And in verse 12, it says, and In the process of time, the daughter of Shuah, Judah's wife, died, and Judah was comforted, went up into his sheep shears at Timnath, he and his friend. Hier the Ademalite, and it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father in law goeth up to Timnath to shear his sheep. She put her widow garments off from her, covered her with a veil, wrapped herself, and sat in an open place. She saw that Shiloh was grown, and she was not given unto him and wife. She knows what's up. She knows it's not going to happen. And so what's happening is that Judah is insisting that she stays a widow, with an empty promise here, that she stays a widow that she stays childless, and that basically she fades away in destitution. He felt he needed to believe superstitious bad things about her. And it seems like he had been doing this for years. Scripture, the Old Testament in particular, has a lot to say about lifting up those who are neglected. Those who are bowed down. And the believers' responsibility to 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 share what God has blessed us with with them. That we're to use our blessings. And the Israelites were to use what God had given them to share with those who did not have those things. That's what blessed people do, blessed to be a blessing. And Judah isn't going to do this, he's going to be unjust. Unjust. So what happens? is that she's going to take this into her own hands. Wrongly so with what she does, but right about the principle that she is supposed to be delivered a husband so that the descendants can carry on. But notice what happens in verses 14 through 23, as I had read here. She knows his patterns. Um, She knows... That when he goes on business trips, he picks up women. He picks up prostitutes. She knows that he is unjust and that he has a double standard. Oh, he can do what he wants sexually. She can count on it. She knows if she sits at this certain place, he's going to see her as a prostitute, not know who she is, and he's going and count on it. He's going to try to um, uh, purchase... Uh What he wants from her, she can count on it. this is an abomination to God. He has a double standard here, and so she tricks him and so he comes uh sure enough down the road on a on a business trip to uh to see his sheep here and see his sheep sheared, and he sees her there, and uh he solicits her solicits her and she says okay um i'll I'll do it for a price, and the price will be a goat." But on top of that, um, since you don't have a goat with you, what I'd like is your your, your staff, which usually many times was personally engraved, and everybody knew who a, someone's staff belonged to. I need your your uh, your seal, your signet seal, which m- many times was a was a cylinder that they would um, have in a and a necklace around their neck, and they would take that cylinder and they would uh, roll it in clay, and it would put a like your signature on a on an item it was like a, it was like your your wallet your driver's license your identification she says I need that as um, collateral here to prove that you're going to give me a goat for my services He still doesn't know that uh, she is um, his his daughter-in-law then verse 23 22 and 23. Uh, he's going to go ahead and return and, uh, and pay her for her services later on when he's all done and send a goat to her. And he can't find her. He can't find this harlot here. And people in the city say, there's no harlot who, who stands out here. And so he says, well, okay, I give up them. Then verse 24 and 25 is key here. It came to pass about three months after. That it was told Judah saying, Tamar thy daughter-in-law hath played the harlot, and also behold she is with child by whoredom. And Judah said, bring her forth and let her be burnt. I want you to notice something here about Judah's heart. Believing and despising Tamar in his heart haven't produced anything good. He had believed those bad things, those lies, those superstitions about her. And, and it developed into now him wanting to burn her. You notice, of course, Moses is bringing out the self-righteousness of Judah and his self-justification. He doesn't just want to kill her for this rumor that he had heard about her um, apparently being uh, promiscuous. He wants to burn her. That was an extreme punishment in that day. And obviously, if he does this, little does he know, and this is how sin works, that he's now going to get burned too. If Tamar is going to be burned for this um, act of prostitution that she has been accused of, he, not knowing that he's the one who she prostituted with, does not know that the one who prostituted with her will also be burned and it's him. You see, what's what's wrong with his heart is what we saw several weeks ago in Romans chapter 2. He has the same thing in his heart that Adam passed on to all of us. We justify ourselves. We justify our sin. We we uh, don't look at what our sin leads to. But notice what happens here in verse 25. After Judah said, Bring her forth and let her be burnt. Verse 25 says, When she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man whose these are, am I with child? And she said, Discern. The word in the Hebrew is recognize, I pray thee, whose are these, the signet and bracelets and staff? In verse 26, And Judah, same word, recognized, acknowledged them and said, She hath been more righteous than I because that I gave her not to Shelah, my son. He recognizes injustice here. And he knew her again sexually here. No more see what's going on with him. He says she is more righteous. The word is Sedek. It's a word that would be used in a Jewish court where a judge would have two, one guilty and one innocent and he would discern between the two and he would say to the innocent, Sedek. Just. He's, he noticed that he says she is more just. Of course she wasn't perfectly just. She went a, the wrong route here to produce the seed she uh committed fornication to um accomplish what she knew was God's purposes, and so she did a wrong thing here, but notice what he recognizes that she is more just than him. What I want you to think about here is like Judah, who are the people that you despise you see one of the one of the things that show the sinfulness of our heart, or the way that we think about other people? Who are the people that you despise? Who are the people that you want gone from this earth? The Tamars. It's a very revealing question because it shows us here that we failed in God's law to love Him fully and love our neighbor. You see, the issue is you and I, just like Judah, must Be born again. You and I are no better in our own ways. We, like Judah, stand under God's judgment, condemned with the fingers that we point at others. And we need a Tamar moment in our life to show what we really are without Christ rescuing. We need a mirror like Tamar held up to our soul and then a look at the provision of God in our place of condemnation. Really, what's being implied here is that we need a new heart, and that comes by the work of the spirit. But how does that come? How does that come? Well, in order to answer that question, we need to see the rest of these verses here. And it came to pass in the time of her travail, in her labor here, as she's with child, that behold, twins were in her room, in her womb. And it came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand and the midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread saying, this came out first. The firstborn son was very important here as far as the inheritance. And it came to pass, he drew back his hand that behold, his brother, the other one behind him came out and she said, how hast thou broken forth? How have you broken through? This breach, this breaking out, be upon thee. Therefore, his name was called Perez, Breakthrough. Breakthrough. And afterward came out his brother that had the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zerah. A lot of repeated themes here from things that had already happened in the book of Genesis. You think of Esau and Jacob and the younger and the older. It's going to happen again later on at the end of the story of Joseph here. But what happened was this. Here's the word you need to remember. There was a breach. There was a breakthrough. Tamar needed a breakthrough from God. Judah needed a breakthrough, a breach from God. But this breach, this breakthrough here, was not just a change in his circumstances. What the breakthrough that was necessary for Judah was a a, a piercing of his heart a surgeon's knife to expose the selfish sin in his heart and reveal his need for a Redeemer King. That's what Judah needed. In fact, the Lord reveals that to him and says that Redeemer King is going to come later on at the end of his life. Judah does seem to be a changed man. This seemed to be an important moment in Judah's life, an important a uh, 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 turn in his, in his life. I think there was something that happened here in his heart. And, and in Genesis chapter 49, when his father Jacob is dying, he gives him a blessing. And he says this in Genesis chapter 49. Judah, thou art he whom thine brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. In other words, Judah, you're going to have an exalted position here. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he crouches a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? And notice these words. Listen to these words of prophecy given to Judah. The scepter, the right of kingship, shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. There's a promise of a Redeemer king here through Judah's line. And here's the thing. So we look at Christmas here. You and I, because of that sinfulness in our hearts, that bent in self-absorbed focus that despising other people, you and I need a new Judah, the great Judah, the real Judah. And let me share with you some good news here. Go to Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Matthew writing to Israel and sprinkling all throughout his book, uh Little, 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 little crumbs here of uh, the Lord's heart for those who aren't Jews as well, Gentiles. And his genealogy, he includes four women. Unheard of in a Jewish genealogy, usually just the fathers, but he includes four women. And we're going to work through some of these in, in, um, on consecutive Sundays here. But listen to Matthew 1, 1 through 3. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, that word generation is the word Genesis. The Genesis, the beginning of Jesus Christ. And then he's going to list here from Abraham, beginning in Abraham, Jesus of Nazareth's descendants. Verse 2, Abraham begat Isaac. And Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas, that's Judah, and his brethren. And Judas begat Pharez and Zerah of Tamar. Here's what the Lord did through that. God is faithful. He is faithful and just. And He delivers what He promised. And you can be assured of it that when He says we have fallen short of God's glory and we are like the Judas and we are like our father Adam, that He is right. That we are condemned. But He gives us good news and this good news is a person and the events of this person's life. Here are a few of them. He has provided a king in our place this king that Matthew traces back to Judah and Perez through Tamar this king always existed as God the son this king was sent by the father this king took on human flesh Matthew tells us in fulfillment of God's promises to David in fact let me read what the scripture says In Matthew 1, 20 to 23, speaking to Joseph in the New Testament, the angel Lord says, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came in the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelius did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod. He was afraid to go hither, notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. This king took on human flesh. Took on human flesh. But the scripture says this in Matthew 1, verse twenty. While Joseph thought on these things, the announcement that his uh, engaged wife would bear a son without Joseph's sexual involvement in that, but as a virgin. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her, born in the flesh here, is of the Holy Ghost, fully God, who existed. And she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus in the Greek, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled. God is faithful, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. So you're going to call this king who's going to be born from Mary supernaturally through the Holy Ghost. He's going to be born of Mary here. You're going to call him Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. People just like Judah. People just like you and I. And so this King died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. This King was buried. And then this King was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. This King appeared to many witnesses. This King is now enthroned, ascended at the right hand of God as the ruling Messiah King. And this King has sent His Holy Spirit to those who believe, to His followers, to flesh out his reign in their hearts. And this king will come again as final judge to rule. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Judah's lineage was in jeopardy. Judah failed. God was faithful. And Jesus Christ is the righteous one. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 4. therefore it was imputed to him, Abraham, for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. And here's the gospel again in a nutshell. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Do you remember Judah's words? She is more just, more righteous than I. There was a gap. There was a missing element to Judah's life and Tamar's and all human beings here who fall short of the glory of God here. But Jesus Christ fills that. He was raised for our justification. He was crucified for our sins, raised for our justification, so that he becomes the enthroned king that we can look to and live. This is a true story of Christmas. It's raw. It's gritty, isn't it? It's messy. You can see how God wove possibly a Canaanite girl, teenage girl, Tamar, into his promised king's reign. You can see the, 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 the strange beauty of it. You can see the falling short, but you can see the fullness of Christ. And my invitation to every one of you as you think of December and you think of Christmas, remember the King. Remember the King. Remember the new Judah, the great Judah, the real Judah. Trust, believe on His name. Pledge your allegiance to Him. Come to Him for your eternal salvation, for your home in eternity and a new creation, and your escape from the condemnation and the fiery torments of hell. Come to Jesus. God bless you on this snowy and rainy and wet and slippery and strange December morning. I thank God for His Word that goes through, and the opportunities to share it, in um, even through this particular medium. May your Sunday be a blessed, blessed one as you look to Christ, the King.